Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Showing Up to Life podcast and YouTube channel, a place where we talk about concepts and techniques and, most importantly, practices that can help us to return to a place of regulation in our nervous system, in our thoughts, in our emotions. And in this place of regulation, we can connect more deeply to our moment-to-moment experience. My name is Art Burns, and I'm so happy to be here with you to talk about this today, and I'm so happy that you're there to listen to me. So thank you for being here. Again, as I say all the time, I could sit here and talk without the camera here. I could just talk to the blank wall about this stuff, but it means so much more when I know that there are people there who are listening and, and interacting, and I just I want to say again that I love to get all of your messages, all of your comments on the videos, all of your emails. It really just does make my heart dance. And I, I just want you to know that. And thank you again for all of you who always, uh, you know, or any of you who ever, I should say, um, interact with me on this platform. So thank you all for being here. Um, today, I wanted to talk about something that as as often happens here on this podcast and YouTube channel, um, I'm going to talk about something very specific, right? A very, very hyper-specific um, topic but then we're going to show you how this specific topic applies more globally, okay? And so the specific topic arises from um, from a group, a, a Facebook group I'm in. Um, as you all know, I, or most of you have heard this already, um, some of you might be new, listening for the first time, maybe you don't know this, uh, but, but for the last 10 years, I have practiced a, um, a veganism, okay? Now, that word vegan is very loaded these days, and, and you know, as soon as I say that word, Word, you know, probably a lot of associations are coming up. And so, so I, I, you know, kind of frankly on this podcast, I hesitate to use that word. But, but the reason why it applies today is because, you know, veganism is not just about necessarily just what we eat, right? It, it starts there, of course, but, but it goes past the consumption of, um, you know, meat, dairy, and eggs. And it actually goes into more of a sort of global concept of, of, you know, the, you know, we're against the subjugation of animals for any reason, right? And so that includes like when we go out as, as somebody who practices veganism, who go, when we go out to buy shoes, right, we're, we're specifically seeking out manufacturers who, who commit to using only man-made products and not animal products, right? And so, so, so I wanted to just, and again, this is not me trying to tell you how to live your life. That is not what we do here. Okay, you are free to make your decisions and you will never feel any judgment or any uh, resentment from me for what you choose to do in your life. Okay, it's very important that you recognize that. This is not a place where you're going to feel uh, shamed or, or guilted or anything for any of the ways in which you live. You know, you also know that I am a, a recovering alcoholic and, 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 you know, drug user. I do not condemn or judge anyone who, who is actively destroying their lives with alcohol because that is not my place, okay? My place is to, to show you how we can be compassionate no matter what, right? That's the idea here of this podcast, okay? So that said... The other day, I was on a um, uh, in a Facebook group that I'm, I belong to out here in Colorado. I think it's called Colorado Vegans or something like that. I don't remember exactly off the top of my head what the the group is called. But in this group, uh, a woman had posted um, that that she was really struggling with the overwhelming aspects of the suffering 
that she sees in animal agriculture. And, and, and I wanted to pause for a moment and tell anyone out there who is sort of, you know, kind of maybe even entertaining the idea of becoming vegan, right? That, that, that once we start to bring awareness into this concept, right? Once we start looking, it's really, it can be very overwhelming, it really can because because once you see the you know once that curtain is pulled back it never comes back you know and and what this person in in facebook land was was describing is is that you know she was describing nightmares and and intrusive thoughts and and all kinds of ways in which this is just you know kind of wedging its way into her consciousness in a very overwhelming and overbearing way and again, I know what that feels like. And so, so I wanted to talk today about a few ways in which, and, and I'm hoping that this woman gets to see this podcast, quite frankly, but this is for all of you as well, because again, this is, I'm going to show you how this applies also to, you know, when we turn on the TV and we see what's going on in the world with humans, you know, it's the same thing. And so, so I want to go over a few ways in which we can approach the compassion for whether it's the animals or whether it's the, the, the innocent people in Ukraine or the innocent people in Russia, the innocent people in Syria, in Yemen, in Somalia, in, in Lebanon, you know, there's innocent people and innocent animals, you know, who are, who are Pakistan, I, I'm in Palestine, not Lebanon, pardon me. Um, but, but the point is that, that, you know, we can apply what we're going to talk about here today to, to the scope of all of this suffering, whether it's animal suffering or humans, okay? So, so, so I want to talk to you, and I'm going to have to put on my, my glasses here, that this camera, for some reason, makes them look like they're crooked. They are not as crooked as they look, I promise you. Um, but, but here, I, I just want to refer to some notes that I made this morning, which I don't normally do for any of you watching this for the first time. Usually, I just hit record and I go. But, but today, I want to make sure I covered a couple of really specific aspects of this. So the first thing is that, you know, when, when, we, when we come into the contact with, with suffering, uh, and especially, again, when we see how large and how widespread suffering can be, and, and that's the thing, once we start looking, we do see that suffering is literally everywhere. And, and that's kind of the point, right? That, that when we're looking at one specific group, for instance, of, you know, animal agriculture, right? It's very, it can become very overwhelming very quickly to see that, that extent and that, that, that gravity and that just the, the, the brutality of the suffering that we see in that system, right? And so, and so what's, what's happened to this, this woman on, in this Facebook group is that, that she is seeing that, that suffering to such a high level and to such a, uh, uh, an overwhelming level that it's, it's consuming. And that's how it gets. It gets to be like you can't stop thinking about it. Now, this is an important thing to recognize, because, or, or not just to recognize, but to, to work on, because the point is that, that when we do practice something like veganism, but also if you practice, again, the awareness of the suffering in the world of people, right, then, then the idea is to be able to somehow be of assistance, right? 
And the reality is that if we are overwhelmed, if we're having nightmares, if we're shaking at the, at the thought of this suffering, we're not in a position to help, right? We're, we're just too overwhelmed. And so how can we, now the answer is never to turn away from the suffering and imagine it doesn't happen. That's, again, that's kind of impossible. Once you've witnessed the suffering, it's impossible to then just close it back up, right? It doesn't really work. I mean, you can deny it, you can, you know, keep pushing it out of your mind, but in the same way that a shadow never leaves you, you know, it's always going to be right there, right behind you, ready to come back, you know? So, so instead, the idea is instead of turning away from the suffering and, and, you know, saying, no, it's too much, what we can do is actually we can open ourselves up to more of the suffering. And, and this sounds probably very counterintuitive and, and kind of maybe like, well, how is that going to help? <laughs> but counterintuitively, this is kind of how it works, right? Because, because what we, when we see that, you know, again, when we're focused on just this one area of suffering, again, we can call it animal suffering, or we could call it people suffering from war or poverty or um, disease, right? But when we focus in on this one area of suffering, you know, we get to feel like, like this is the only suffering that there is and that there's nothing but suffering here. And that is simply not the right kind of context. It's not accurate to see that. And so in a, in a big way, the first step in sort of you know, being able to, to manage some of the idea of this, this suffering, the very first step is, is, again, counterintuitively and perhaps seemingly ironically, to open ourselves up to more of the suffering in the world. And, and what this means <clears throat> is that, <clears throat> you know, recognizing that, that, you know, it's not just, you know, again, not just this area of suffering, but, but even noticing my own suffering. And noticing that, um, <clears throat> that, that, you know, that, that the people who are, you know, walk, you know, living in tents in Denver, noticing their suffering. And then most importantly, opening ourselves up to the suffering of the people who are causing the suffering, right? Opening ourselves up to the idea that the people who are, you know, working in the animal agriculture industry even those people who own the animal agriculture industry, they're suffering too. You know, that their, their drive, their, their ability to, to cause such suffering is made by the capacity of their own suffering. That might be a hard thing to, to recognize, but, but it, I, I encourage you to spend some time with that because that is accurate, Right? That, that it's not just, you know, the, the, the animal that suffers, but the person causing the suffering is, is part of a, a cycle of suffering with the animal. They're not separate from one another. They are very much the same as one another. And that brings us to the, the idea of a system, right? Because all of us, <clears throat> every single person in the world, and this is scientifically backed, you can go check on other uh, episodes of this channel here, um, that every single one of us, every human on the planet, comes into this world with a basic innate goodness. Full stop, without qualification. 
And what that means is that the people who we see as committing these acts of horrific violence, again, whether we're talking about people in, in slaughterhouses or we're talking about people on the battlefields around the world, when we see the people who are causing that suffering, it's very easy for us to say, like, that person is different from me. That person is somehow, you know, they, they, they exist outside of what I exist. And folks, that's just not true. All right? And, and to that extent, you know, we could even recognize that, that if we were in the same system as that person— Right. So, for instance, if I grew up in uh, an area, let's say in Brazil, where, you know, it was very poor, we're in a rural area and the only jobs that were available were at the slaughterhouse, then even me, who right now, I, I would never, ever, ever do that. That's what I say. But if I was in that exact circumstance as the person who's doing that today, I would do that also. And that's a really hard thing for us to sometimes recognize, but it's very, very true. <clears throat> and again, the way we can help ourselves to recognize this is, is by accepting, and this is the first principle of Buddhist psychology, by the way, that, that it's about recognizing our own inner nobility and the inner nobility of everyone else, because that is how we come into this world. But the world changes us. The circumstances in which the people who are, are working at the slaughterhouses, the circumstances in which they grew up, have, have changed them to create the capacity to go through this suffering, to cause this suffering. Now, again, it's not much of a mystery that the people who work, you know, on the floor of these places, you know, they're not part of, they didn't create the system, right? And it's, and it's very common knowledge that they suffer in this way, right? So, so then we can extend to say, like, well, what about the billionaires who are running this industry and, and doing so with such greed and such, such horrible, horrible greed, which again is no different from weapons manufacturers, no different from uh, companies that extract oil and, and natural resources from the, the earth, right? No different from any major corporation that, that, is, that pollutes and, 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 and exploits you know, labor. This happens all over. But again, it's really important to recognize that the person who's the CEO making the choices you know, if you had lived every single moment of that person's life, you would be making the same decisions they are. Conversely, it's important to recognize that if, if the person who is the CEO of the, of the meat in, you know, the, the uh, you know, agriculture company that's, that's causing the suffering, literally the person who's doing it, if he lived every moment of my life, he would be a vegan right now, right? So it's not the individual, it's the system in which the individual exists. This is a very, very important way to, to open ourselves up to the compassion for these people. Now, that brings us to the next set of, of you know, why, you know, what is, <laughs> you know, what is compassion, right? 
which is the ability to to stand with the suffering, but most importantly, because empathy is noticing the suffering. And when we live in a place of empathic, you know, uh, well, when we when we live just on the level of empathy and we just see the suffering and we believe that the suffering is our suffering as well as that, you know, that that animal's suffering, right? That that keeps us in a place of stress. It's when we can use the creative powers of our brain, of our of our prefrontal cortex, to envision the end of suffering. Well, that's where we become more regulated. That's where we, we exit a place of stress and we enter a place of, of regulation. Now, speaking of regulation, it's important also um, in, the, in the ability to, to manage the, the overwhelming feelings that we get when we see this suffering, it's important also to recognize that the suffering that you're feeling, the, the, the agitation in your body that you're feeling, including the nightmares and, and all the intrusive thoughts, right? That is just the product of your nervous system, okay? Now, that's a weird thing for many, many people to recognize, but, but even recognizing that the thoughts that come into my mind, and especially the dreams that happen while I'm sleeping— it's just my nervous system trying to manage what it is that I'm, I'm experiencing. Does that mean that the nightmares are not real? No, of course it doesn't. They are very real and they, and they mess with us, right? But, but if I can see it as something that is just a function of my nervous system as opposed to something that is truly me, well, now I can recognize that there are ways in which I can regulate my nervous system. I could do meditation. I could do journaling practices. I could do, um, you know, loving kindness practices. And I can do these on a, you know, moment by moment basis, right? Right, you know, in a, a, a structured and, and, and sort of um, uh, intentional, you know, sort of approach to it day after day after day, and I can build more regulation. I can, I can build the skills to be able to regulate my nervous system. And knowing that if I regulate my nervous system, well, then the, the, you know, the anxiety that I feel and the, and the dreams and the nightmares and the, and the intrusive thoughts and the sense of panic that I have, well, that's all going to be regulated with the, through the practices that I can do. Now, one thing I would highly suggest, especially for someone who is, um, you know, experiencing such high levels of regulation, I mentioned journaling. This is probably the, the most valuable practice that you can do between journaling and maybe five minutes of meditation every morning, okay? If you can do, say, five minutes of journaling, five minutes of meditation every morning, you're going to get like 80% of the way to your you know, your regulation, right? And the rest is is just a couple other little, you know, we could talk about a little practices that you could do throughout the day. But but it's also important to recognize that that when I say 80% of, of regulation, I mean that's a pretty arbitrary number, of course. But but you know, but that's like it feels like right away it's like 80%. But then as I keep going and I keep doing these practices day by day, little bit by little bit. It, it grows. It, 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 it's like a trajectory, right? And, and ultimately, that trajectory leads to the place where, like me, 
I can be faced with the suffering of the world, it doesn't mean that I don't feel it, right? It doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt to see the suffering of the world. But at the same time, I can go back into this deep ocean of well-being, and I can I can come into this deep sea of well-being and 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 be able to regulate myself. And from that place of regulation, now I can make choices. I can make choices not only on a personal level, but it's also how I can influence others around me. Right? I mean, if you know, quite frankly, one of the things that that veganisms, um, you know, vegan, uh, sorry, vegans have uh, have often had the sort of um, you know bad rep is that you know it's like this frothing at the mouth kind of passion that a lot of vegans have, which is beautiful and true and and wonderful, but it's not effective in in convincing someone else, right? You look like the crazy vegans, and, and so who the heck, I, that makes me want to eat more meat so I don't become crazy like that person. So when we can enter into this place of regulation, it doesn't mean that we stop, you know, influencing people. It doesn't mean that we stop trying to convince people and, and to spread, because that is part of it, right? That, that we feel a sense of activism towards it, Right. But again, whether this is activism towards animal agriculture or activism towards war or activism towards poverty or homelessness or, or drug addiction, whatever it is, you can only help those areas from a place of regulation. Like Thich Nhat Hanh used to talk about this when, when he, you know, he did activism in the Vietnam War. So he was literally, he used to say that you have to be able to breathe mindfully even while you're, you know, putting pressure on a, on a you know, mortal wound on someone's body. You know, now that's, that's like a very, very heavy level, but, but that's what it is, right? We have to be able to experience this suffering from this place of regulation or else we're just, we're only suffering along with it. And we're not at any point creating this, um, you know, we're not at any point, you know, contributing to the end of the suffering, which is really what compassion is, right? Compassion is the ability to, to, you know, to suffer with, that's where the word comes from. It comes from the Latin compare, which is to suffer with, right? And so, so the idea of suffering with is also because we don't want to suffer ourselves. So if I'm suffering with you, then I'm going to be driving towards a solution. And even if that solution is just wishing for the end of the suffering or somehow envisioning the end of the suffering, so therefore, that's another really important step in, in regulating this, which is to, you know, which is to, 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 while you're witnessing the suffering, witness a world that exists, whether it's a year from now, 10 years from now, 50 years from now, a world that exists where this no longer happens. Envision a world without war. Envision a world without factory farms. Envision a world without homelessness and poverty. It's not make-believe. It's, it's envisioning. It's a creative, imagining, you know, solution. But when you do that, you, again, you give your, 
your brain something to work with. And when your brain feels like it has something to work with, it's not going to be so overwhelmed. And again, this has to do with where the brain is working. When you're, when you're only experiencing the suffering without any hope of change, again, that's the, that's the empathy. That's the, that's the part of your brain that's very much the reactive survival mode of the brain. When you can use your creativity to envision something different, you're, you're moving that energy up top to the to frontal cortex, which is where regulation happens. <clears throat> now, finally, there's one other uh, technique I want you to uh, know about. And and again, this goes for, you know, not just animal agriculture. This can be applied to, uh, to every form of, of suffering that there is, right? Environmental issues, um, you know, refugees, uh, you know, war, starvation, famine, disease, all of it, okay? All of it. When we, when we notice someone, when we see somebody else suffering, right, there are mechanisms in our body Right, and this is where empathy comes from. This is why we're all wired for empathy. It's not something that some people have, some people don't. It it exists on a on a spectrum for sure. Some people have very low levels of empathy. Some people have very high levels of empathy. Right, but empathy is this system, this mechanism in my body that allows me to feel your pain in my body. Now, the trouble is, again, because of where this happens in the brain specifically and what that part of our brain does to our nervous system, which is to say that this is the part of our nervous system that, that creates the fight or flight you know, response, right? To put it very simply, it's of course a very complex system, but, but essentially this is what's going on. That, that part of that is the delusion that, that the pain that I'm feeling, sometimes I get tricked. Sometimes I don't realize that I'm feeling your pain, but I think I'm feeling my pain. And this, again, puts me into a place of distress because if my brain thinks that I'm experiencing pain, it's not going to just live with that. It's not going to just say, okay, no big deal. It's going to go into a place of panic. And in that place of panic, that's where the things like nightmares and intrusive thoughts and, and overwhelm come from. And so the important thing then is to, is to recognize that, that, you know, that it is not my pain. It is the pain of these, these poor animals or these poor people in Russia or Ukraine or Somalia or Libya or Syria or Palestine. Or here in the U.S., the, the, the people, you know, living in poverty everywhere and, and the people, you know, it's their pain. It's not my pain. Now, the beautiful thing is that I can feel their pain and that allows me then to enter into compassion for them. That is the point of feeling that pain. And this is a very, very powerful aspect to even just understand this, that, that because I can feel your pain, the reason for that, the reason my body does that is so that I can be alerted to the fact that you are suffering and therefore you require my compassion. You require my assistance. Again, I can't go to Brazil and shut down the feedlot. I can't go to Greeley, Colorado and shut down the feedlot. I am just one person. But what I can do is I can use my voice and whoever it is that I'm talking to, 
I can do that from a, a compassionate, but, but more importantly, a regulated place in which I can effectively communicate things that might actually change some minds. And that's where we can go back into this understanding of systemic reality, right? That you are part of a system of human beings. It's part of a, an intricate network of connections and relations. And so, so if you are every day just putting into that system a little bit more love, a little bit more compassion, a little bit more equanimity, and a little bit more sympathetic joy, then what you're doing is you're, you're improving the whole system as much as you can. And yet it's more than you need to, okay? There's nothing more required of you than to do that. And in this place of regulation that comes from all of this, now I can attend a rally if I, if I so choose. I can maybe come up with a creative solution or a creative way in which to protest or to, to somehow do something, to take action. But that action is going to come from that place of regulation, which is creative, which is, which is solutions-based, which is dynamic and beautiful and open to the connection with the rest of the people who want to do this work too, which then in, and empowers all of us all the more. I hope you enjoyed this episode today. Again, this is a little more political than we usually get on here. But again, this is, you know, when we turn on the news, we see this everywhere, whether you're, you know, practicing veganism or not, these techniques could, could really help all of us. All right. All right, folks. So if you, if you need any uh, further clarification, you know how to get me, art at artburnscoaching.com. Uh, leave a, uh, um, uh, a comment or, or, uh, or even I'll put a link for my coaching link. Uh, it's a free session, uh, 45 minutes, and it's offered to everyone who's listening to this right now. So if you're hearing this, there's a link in the description. If you would like to talk to me more about this, and maybe there's a specific thing that you want to ask me about this, this is a great way to do it. Okay? All right, everybody. I wish you well, and I'll be back again tomorrow. Take care, everybody.